like. My wife says I have a big mouth. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to be here. Um, it's, you have no idea the type of warfare that my wife and I have been going uh, through this time. And I really thank the Lord for you because I've been really honestly feeling your prayers. Your prayers are coalescing and they're amalgamating with other people that are praying around the globe for me. Well, there's a tremendous outpouring of God's Spirit. And God is raising up different ministers that have been put down, that have been rejected because of their gifts, callings, and anointings. You know, and I, you know, it's time for the church to just stop playing games in some areas. And, and I, just, I just, I cry out to God because, you know, there's so many anointed preachers that are leaving the ministry, that are not being utilized. And I trust the Lord that, that, that the Lord is just going to do a mighty and a complete total work in this church that those that are gifted and anointed would be encouraged and uplifted. Because God wants to use you. He just doesn't want you to, to just sit in a pew and just warm a pew. God wants to use you as a mighty anointed warrior. So the anointing is not just for the pastor. It's not just for Brother Michael or for uh, these uh, big itinerant uh, preachers. It's also for you. Amen. The same spirit that's on them, it's on you. So I just want to encourage you. Please turn to Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Thank you, Lord Jesus. His presence is, is here. His presence is here. <clears throat> Before I start, um, I just want to tell you what the Lord has laid on my heart. Don't look at the time. Don't be uh, in a hurry to leave. God has brought you here. Those that belong here, praise the Lord. Those that are visiting, don't leave. You're not, let me tell you. You are not going to leave the same way you came back in here. The Lord has serious business to do with His people. And, and I tell you, God is going to do it. He is in a, you are in a, a collision course with destiny to find God's will in your life. But first, there are things that God wants to take out of His people. You know, the devil is such a liar. He likes to clog people's hearts so that... The Holy Spirit does not do His full work. I'm talking in Christians. Okay, and He likes to clog people's hearts. Christians' heart with different things. And the thing that, that what I'm going to, the Lord gave me today, the thing that I really want to focus on, the name of the message today, it's called The Pathway to Freedom, Peace, Joy and Blessing is found in forgiving others just as Christ has forgiven you. Okay, long, long title. Okay, I'll repeat it again. Okay. The pathway to freedom and peace and joy and blessing is found in forgiving others just as Christ has forgiven you. So I would like to start with just a little prayer. And we're going to go into two scriptures and I'm going, I'm going to go right into the message. Okay, so let's just uh, close our eyes and let's just pray. Father, we come in agreement now. And we declare that you are the living, true, and the eternal King. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We declare that you are the creator and sustainer and the supreme ruler of the universe, Lord. Lord, we just don't declare you as a king or as a God. As we declare you, your word says in Malachi 1.14, you are a great king. And we exalt you as one in this place. Have your way, Lord. 
break the bondages. Let your people not be the same as they came in. In the name of Jesus. God's word says in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 432. In verse 432, that's a little clearer. 432 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God forgave you. I'll repeat it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, just as in Christ God forgave you. Can you please turn to Colossians 3.13, please? Three thirteen. Once again, concerning forgiveness, this topic is forgiveness. It says in three thirteen of Colossians, bear with each other, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievances. Another synonym for that, trespasses. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. <clears throat> you know, besides God blessing, guiding, protecting, prospering His people, God delights, His Word says, in forgiving His people. That's the main reason and the central reason that He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to earth. So that just as God forgave you, we can continue to forgive other people. But you know what? We're all going to struggle. That's the truth. Minister, on the, on the pulpit, where you are right now, we're all going to struggle from time to time, okay, about truly forgiving those who hurt us. Okay? And sometimes, they're hard things. They're not little things. Okay, and it's tough sometimes. We are going to wrestle. Some of us are caught. Some of us are even in bondage right now as I speak. There's things that people have said. There's been things that people have done. And the devil would like to clog your heart and mine and keep God's best. And one of the ways he does that is by filling your heart with unforgiveness because he influences people. Remember, we wrestle not. It's not people you're fighting. It's spiritual warfare. He'll put people in people hate. He'll put in people envy. He'll put all kinds of things. Just because he knows that you are getting closer to God. Today I believe that the precious Lord has sent me all the way from the States to share an important message with you. And this message deals with unclogging your heart from what God doesn't want you to struggle with. Okay, I believe the Lord has sent me here to let you know that God doesn't just, He doesn't want you to struggle to forgive. Now listen, there's different, you know, there's different, uh, if I could say, situations and experience, you know, that we've gone through. And God will work with you and me concerning that as we move along. You know, God doesn't expect you uh, you know, to be at a certain level, He works with us. He meets you right where you are. He's a loving Father. 
But in the area of forgiveness, okay, he wants you to forgive in a unique way, just as he forgave you. Okay? He wants nothing less than you being triumphant. He wants you to be a triumphant. He wants you to be a conqueror. Because that is, they're all biblical. The Word of God says, second, can you return right now? 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2.14. Look what God's will. This is a promise for you and for me. Second Corinthians 2.14 says this. It says, But thanks be to God. Say, everybody, Thanks be to God. Who always. Does it say sometimes? Say always. Leads us in triumphant procession. Here's the key that we miss. Why are we stuck? How does he do it? In Christ. Okay, you can't have the triumph if you take off your eyes from the Lord Jesus Christ. God is here because he wants you to be triumphant and he wants you to be Romans 8.37. Who knows what that says? It says, God, what? We are more than what? You are going to be triumphant and God wants you to be a conqueror. But it's always in who? In Christ. But we're not going to be triumphant unless we understand certain spiritual truths that will for sure enlighten us. Not just to know God's forgiveness, but also to experience and realize the promise. Okay, there is a promise. There is a promise when you forgive the way Christ has forgiven you. There's a realization of a promise there. And God wants you to grab a hold of that. Because once you grab a hold of that, you're never going to be the same. And you will forgive as Christ has forgiven you. So we want to just not know about God's forgiveness. It's good to come here. It's good to hear messages. But God wants you to experience. He wants you to realize the promise. To really be set free. Feel free. But He wants you not just to be set free. And feel free. He wants you to walk in that freedom. Can somebody say amen? amen? Okay. So let's look now at this vital topic that I believe is withholding. Okay. I believe that unforgiveness withholds a lot of blessing from God's people. I see our Heavenly Father with all these gifts and all these blessings. And He's just He can't release them because we need to forgive. We need to let go. Okay, and believe me, I have been hurt tremendously in ministry and by pastors. And the Lord has said, Michael, can you forgive them? And boy, I tell you, I've been deeply wounded. But the Lord always had me go back, okay, and humble myself and ask for forgiveness. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here right now preaching this message to you. Okay, that's how God trains us. He trains us in these areas and in these experiences to see if He can use you in bigger areas. Okay, so I'll just, please, I'm going to just share with you. Please, do not leave here unless God does His work in you. Let Him. Don't hold Him back. Allow His Holy Spirit to set you free. Okay? A lot of the bondages 
we are struggling with today, believe it or not, they're about not forgiving people, not letting go. We think, oh, it's been a long time. But God says, but I'm withholding a certain blessing from you because you haven't fully let go. I cannot expand your ministry. I cannot allow you to flourish. I cannot send that particular blessing because you just won't let go. Okay, so let's look at what does God forgiveness look like. Let's, we got to look at that, right? Before we look at what forgiveness is, truly we got to look really quickly at the cross. You don't have to look too much. You just go to the cross, okay? And just, just quickly, all right? God's forgiveness is total, it's complete, and it's final. Please turn to Ephesians 1.7, okay? That's our starting point there. Ephesians 1.7. Ephesians 1.7. When you have it, say, amen. amen. Lord God says, in Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption. Okay? In Christ, we have redemption. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit what that means. Through His what? Through His blood. Amen. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now think about that word redemption, okay? God literally buys you from the slave market of sin. You are in deep sin. Before you became a believer, some of you were in deeper sin. Some of us were just not in a lot of sin, but the fact is that we were in sin. And God sent His Son that by His blood, He could purchase you out of that slave market. And listen to this, true story. In the biography of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, before he became the president, he used to walk around and he took many old jobs. Very humble, always a very humble man before he got married. And during the time that he was alive, of course, there was the slave trade was happening. So uh, he came to a town and he saw the slave trader and they had him in cuffs and chains and he saw a young boy. And this young boy was just such an adorable little boy that he just fell in love with the boy and he said this young boy he's not going to have a life he's just, he's in chains he's in bondage okay folks i'm trying to bring it to earth what i'm trying to share this is going to go deeper okay so he goes he doesn't have any money but his heart his heart cries out for that young boy and that young life and he goes to the slave to the slave uh, owner and he says listen i don't have any money he says, yeah, big burly guy. He says, well, well, what do you want? He says, well, listen, I'll fight you for that guy, for that young boy. I'll fight you right now, and I'll beat you. He says, oh, boy, I haven't had a good one of those, and I'll take you on right now, and I just, oh, boy, I tell you, I'll take you, I'll beat you to a pulp. And Abraham Lincoln is saying, oh, my God, what am I getting into here? But I love that boy. So to make a long story short, Abraham Lincoln beats, beats him to a pulp. He kills him. He really just, just really kills this guy, okay? So the guy goes, okay, you know, I mean, I don't know what happened or what came over you, but he's yours. So he gives him the key. Abraham Lincoln takes the key and he opens up the lock, the chains fall, and the young boy, because, you know, Abraham Lincoln is a tall man, right? So he goes and he takes him by the leg and he holds him tight and he doesn't let him go. And Abraham Lincoln says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're free. You're free to go. And listen to the words, talking about redemption, being bought from the slave market of sin. He says these words. 
the little boy says that when Abraham Lincoln says, you're free, he goes, why would I go, or why would I go to anyone or with anyone, but with the one that has freed me from my chains? Give glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's get a clap offering to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mighty God. It's a powerful illustration, but nevertheless, it's true. That's what Jesus did with us. That's what he's done with us. And, I mean, listen. God's forgiveness. Total, complete, and final. And it's through his blood. Okay? It involves the forgiveness of all of your sins. Okay? All of them. Not some of them. The devil will come and whisper a lie. You've done so much. You've done so bad. Look, that he won't forgive you. And then you, you do something or say something. He goes, look at that. No, he can't forgive that. God's word says... In Colossians chapter 1.14, he says, Having forgiven your sins. And in chapter 2.13 of Colossians, he says, Having forgiven, in chapter 1.14, he says, Having forgiven your sins. And in chapter uh, 2.13, he says, Having forgiven all your sins. Say, all your sins. Say it, all your sins. Okay? So God's forgiveness is complete, total, final. It involves all. All your sins, past, present, and future. We read also in Mark 3.28 that he says, All sins, all sins and blasphemies will be forgiven men. So it's everything, it's all or nothing. Think about that. Think about that. Okay? God's forgiveness is also continual. Okay? He will continue to forgive your sins. Throughout your life. But there's a, there's a, there's a punchline to that, okay? We preach the whole gospel. Oh, God help us, okay? He'll forgive your sins, but you must confess them, okay? You must deal with your sins, okay? You must repent of them in faith, okay? And you will, you will, you will, you will, and you will, and you will. Okay? Let me just bring it down to earth. When you go out, when I go out for a run, okay? And you're sweaty, okay? Do you go on with your life sweaty? Right? Do you go two, three days without taking a shower? You're going to stink. Okay, but how about your clothes? Now the sweat is on your clothes. Okay, not only do you need a shower, you need to get this laundried. Okay? Just like we sweat, and just like our shirts and our pants get sweaty, so we get smelly with sin. We get stinky with sin. And we need to get that off. So we've got to remember that the fact that God has forgiven your sins past, present, and future, you are going to want to confess and repent of your sins. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is inside you. The God's Word says in 1 John 2, 1, He says, it's in 3, 1. Is it first John 3 1? He says that we have an intercessor before the Lord. So when you arrive, when the devil is wanting you to not forgive, hold back, okay, point fingers and, and stay in bondage, there is another side, the Holy Spirit, okay, interceding for us. Now we have two intercessors. We have the Holy Spirit on earth interceding for us, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God says, at the right hand of God, interceding for you and for me. So when you are being pressed, when the Holy Spirit is working up, He's bubbling, 
Okay, 414 of John says, as well as 738, he says, If any man believes on me, as the scripture has said, the rivers of living water will flow out from him. So you can't stop that. You can't stop that. So whatever it is that you're holding, the Holy Spirit will bring that up. He'll just he'll get rid of that. Not only is the anointing and blessing and power coming out, but there's stuff that God wants out of your life. He wants it out of there. Okay? So, when you have that, and you're feeling that freedom, is that because people are interceding for you? Okay? But there are times that they won't be interceding for you because you've just made, a, you, you've, something was done to you, and you, the, Holy, the, the enemy is just clogging your heart. But because you have a personal relationship with God, and God knows everything, the Lord Jesus is interceding for you in heaven. And you'll have that desire to get rid of that sin and to confess it. That's why, okay, I just recently preached the message um, in Hearts Ablaze Ministries in Albany. And a lot of times, listen, it's good. It's good to confess uh, collective, uh, when we make a, general, a generalistic confession that, oh, Father, forgive us, we're sinners. But you know what? God wants to hear detailed sins of your life. He wants to forgive them. A lot of times we generalize when we're with God. And we've done things, okay, when God, and when we come to the throne, we say, oh God, I'm here. Father God, forgive me. I've done wrong. And listen, when you go to court, how many of you have been in court? Raise your hands. Of course. Many of you have been in court, okay? And what happens? You know, when you make, do an infraction, the, the, uh, the judge doesn't say, well, uh, you know, you go up there and says, oh, listen, judge, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm here to pay my fine. He's going to say, what have you done? Right? And then you're like, oops. Uh, well, I went through a red light. Uh, I did this. And I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And then the judge will say, that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> then you pay the fine. You feel like somebody did a little pow-pow. And then you hopefully learn. Okay, you hopefully learn. But it's, that's the same with the Lord. Okay? There are some sins that we are praying in generalities. General. Generalities. Like generally. And the Lord says, what have you done? You know? And we're scared to confess that sin. But God, you know, what is prayer? Prayer is telling God what He already knows. He knows it already. He knows it already. So you're not telling Him. He sees everything. He sees you. sees you from your come, getting up and... What you do during the day, he's everywhere present. So, praise God. So, we need to be aware that God doesn't want generalistic confessions. He wants detailed confessions. Okay? Sin can pile up. You can heap sin upon sin. Is that biblical? Absolutely. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Let me read to you. Absolutely. If you have it, say amen. It says in chapter 30, verse 1, it says this. Woe to the obstinate children. This is from the NIV. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans not that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit. What does the next verse say? The next part? Say it. Heaping what? Sin upon sin. If you do not deal with sin, you're heaping it up like this. Heaps. 
and you feel this heaviness. It'll be a heaviness. Okay? But unforgiveness has a unique type of heaviness. It's a bondage, I tell you. It's a bondage and it's a stronghold. And God is going to deliver people today. I know He is. Okay? Also, when God forgives your sin, okay? The Bible says that when God forgives your sins, the Word of God says in Micah, in chapter 7, that He throws it in the depths of the sea. Okay? But some of us sometimes wrestle. Listen, I used to when I just became a Christian. Okay? I used to go, but Lord, what about that sin that I did? Oh, Lord, forgive me of that. And the Lord says, what? What sin? I forgave that yesterday. What? I can't hear you. What are you talking about? But you confessed that yesterday. And our minds are just so close to the limitless love of God. Picture the ocean and how deep it is. Okay? And... Some of us just don't believe that God has forgiven us. Okay? That's why we have a hard time forgiving others. Because we wrestle. So, you know, let me just give you an illustration. When we, we kind of just say, oh God, but forgive me for my sins. And, and the Lord says, you know, you, you really want me to really show you what that's like when I forgive you? He says, come with me. You get on this boat with Jesus, on this speedboat. And he goes right into the middle of the ocean. And he says, you see this quarter? This symbolizes, this symbolizes what I forgive you, what I forgave you uh, yesterday. Okay, you confessed that you put on a pornographic video and you confessed that to me. You, co- you confessed that you lied to this person. Uh, whatever, right? So he takes that, that coin and he throws it and, and it's probably maybe a couple hours before it hits bottom, right? So you know what God's forgiveness is like? It's like if you don't believe that he's forgiven you, then Jesus says, well, you got to go into the depths of the ocean and get that quarter because... <laughs> No deal. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? I mean, I, you know, I, I drowned probably eight feet going down. <laughs> okay, so when God forgives you, it, it, is, it is for good. It is total. It's complete. You never have to worry about Him bringing that up. But yet, we're so quick to bring up other people's sins, right? So let's go into the next, uh, the next phase of this message, okay? We know that God's forgiveness is complete. It's total, all right? It's final. It involves the forgiveness of all your sins. It's continual. And He wipes off everything and doesn't bring it up or accuses you, okay? You know, when you sin, there's two voices pressing for your allegiance and alliance. The voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the devil. And they're unique voices. But you know, you and I know that when the devil accuses, he'll bring condemnation. Okay, the Holy Spirit will never condemn you, but he'll convict you. And he'll take you lovingly and bring you to the cross. And it's over. How beautiful is that? How wonderful. We see that what happened with Judas and what happened with Peter. One was condemned, right? He felt sorry for his sin, but just, he just couldn't accept that he'd done that. So he took his own life and Peter just wept. And he said, Lord, I know you forgive me. Because he had experienced the love of Jesus. And what, what did him in? I, you know what? What did him in? Is he, felt betray- you know, he felt sorrow, but he just... 
He felt that he needed to pay it for that thing. He needed to die. He needed to just, you know, just say, Lord, I, I, I'm so ugly, I can't live anymore. You know, but the difference really was is that Peter had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think Judas, if it was, it was anything that was substantial because how you receive forgiveness shows God the magnitude and the caliber of your relationship. Hear me out. How you receive forgiveness shows God the magnitude of the relationship that you have with Him. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So in the light of understanding God's forgiveness, there is no room for unforgiveness for the true, genuine Christian. Okay? There is no room, absolutely no room for you not to be able to forgive your brother or sister when they do something against you. Okay? Now, to forgive is a spiritual mandatory act from God. Okay? God wants you to forgive both believers and unbelievers. Okay? Must we forgive 70 times 7? Is, this, is it 490 times? Absolutely not. God uses that as a hyperbole. He just wants you to forgive with no limit. He doesn't want you to say, Lord, look, Lord, right here, I'm up to 489, and if she does one more, she's, she's out. And the Lord Jesus says, really? Oh, I see. That's right. After the 490, I'm not going to forgive her anymore. Boy, is he in for a rude awakening, huh? Unbelievable. And you know what? Some people think it's like that. You know, and it's uh, just God's forgiveness is so wonderful, so beautiful. But let me post your question, okay? Why is it so hard to forgive those who hurt you? Okay? Why is it so hard to forgive those who hurt you. Remember this. Forgiveness is a mark of the Christian life. People will recognize you and know you that we are Christians, okay? People will recognize that you and I are Christians, okay? Not by you reading the Bible, coming to church because you tell them you got baptized. That, listen, those things are well and good, okay? But people, you will impact people, okay? They'll know that you're a Christian distinctively by the way that you and I forgive them. That's powerful. Okay? We can come across as such good and clean people. But the devil says, yeah, I'm going to set you up, man. I'm going to set you up to test you. And he does. He really does. And people will know you're Christians not by how good you pray and listen, not by how, how gifted you are. Hey, did you hear? I was in uh, meditation and fasting and prayer and I walked on the water. Hallelujah. Yeah, but then your neighbor said something bad and then you went and you punched him out. <laughs> it's very important the way we forgive. Okay? The way we forgive them. Not by excusing people's misdeeds, but by recognizing forgiving and loving them in spite of their misdeeds, just as Christ loves and forgives you. Okay? Yeah, sometimes you have to kind of, you know, keep a distance from people, right? Because you need God's time and God to work in them, but you always have to forgive them. You always have to forgive them. Okay? Very important. Forgiveness is contrary to the pattern 
of the world. Both Jesus and Paul taught forgiveness towards our enemies. Let me ask you a question. What is better about forgiveness than holding a grudge and being resentful? Consider this. Forgiveness may break the cycle of retaliation and lead to mutual reconciliation. Unless you forgive from your heart, you're just going to keep fighting. It's not going to stop. It's just not going to stop. It's not going to stop, okay? The antagonism, the remarks, the indifference toward those people is going to continue unless you choose to forgive. It may make the enemy feel ashamed and change his or her mind. How? The Holy Spirit will begin to woo and soften that person's heart to do the right thing. I tell you, it'll never fail. It'll never fail. The minute you forgive, you allow God dynamically, powerfully, and surely to step in that person's life and begin the process of change in his or her heart. But you must forgive. There's a powerful spiritual connection that you make with the Holy Spirit when people are miles away, they've done you wrong, and you just kneel down and say, Lord, i got to let this go. I forgive them. Powerful. And how is He going to change people's hearts that have hurt you? That's God's business. Hey, listen, He can use people. He can use circumstances. He can use all kinds of created situations to make people consider how they have hurt you. That it is not in their best interest to keep holding that against you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not in their best interest for them because they have hurt you to say, Oh God, you know, I hate it. That's why I did that. God will work through circumstances. You give God access when you forgive. Just, it will always happen. It will never, never change. That's God's, that's the, called the cogs of the spiritual walk. When you fail, when others fail at you, okay, you are to forgive and you connect those cogs and you let the Spirit continue the sanctification process in your life and in my life. So by contrast, returning evil for evil hurts you just as much as it hurts your enemy. Listen, me and my wife get into little skirmishes. Listen, the marriage life is not easy. It's a challenge. Okay, uh, you know, uh, listen... Uh, Hey, listen, I think that the marriage life is like a mirror that God, God puts in front of you and says, this is how you are. He says, God, take the mirror back. <laughs> but that's the truth. God puts a mirror and he says, listen, okay, you got a little dirt over here. 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 Well, I do have dirt. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I think, you know, Marriage is very challenging. So my wife and I will get to some skirmishes, you know, and uh, and some of them are pretty heavy, you know. Why did you do this? And why, why, why? And I'm like, oh God, you know. So then I, I'm up at my office, and I think I can go over there and start praising God and reading the Bible, and it's just going up to the ceiling, boop, and coming right down. I said, Lord, but the anointing, and I go, and it's going up and it's coming down, and I'm like, what is going on? And then the Holy Spirit says, but, but. But listen, uh, you, 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 you said something terrible to your wife. I mean, nothing obscene or anything. You know, just silly things that, that hurt people, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm still hardening my heart here, you know. And in the middle of the night, 
The Holy Spirit, I kid you not, wakes me up and I am right in front of my wife in our bed because I sleep, you know. And I sleep sometimes in my, uh, in my office because I snore. So my wife is like, please go. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> so, you know, I find myself by the power of the Holy Spirit in front of her saying, honey, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. I give her a hug and a kiss. Okay? It doesn't go more than one day. Have you heard of people, they don't talk to each other for days, weeks, months, years? That's terrible. That's horrible. Maybe you have parents and friends that live like that. It's terrible. So many blessings are being withheld just because of unforgiveness. I tell my wife, honey, and this is my policy. Unfortunately, there are preachers that don't do this. But the integrity in the kingdom of God, I tell people, I will not get on a pulpit unless I'm first right with my wife. I have to be right with my wife. I have no business being here if my relationship with my wife, which is a microcosm of what the church is, okay? There will be no impact, no impact, unless I'm right with my wife. So before, well, no matter what happens, sometimes we'll get in an argument, just the, the enemy, just the last, the last minute fire dart. And, you know, we just get into this, ah, this shouting much. And then I'm getting to go on the pulpit, you know, like the 30 minutes before. And the Holy Spirit says, you got to apologize to your wife. I said, no! What did she do? You know what she said. You, you, blah, blah, blah. And, the, and the Lord Jesus says, I don't care. I don't care. And then, you know, you give him an argument, right? And then he just says, Michael, you want to be my preacher? You want to be my servant? Well, Lord, you know I am. You know, Lord, you, you anoint me and this happens and, and you are glorified and you're exalted. Yeah, that's wonderful. But it wouldn't happen unless, unless you're under my authority. See? You cannot prosper unless you're under authority. All kinds of authority. Man's authority. Pastor's authority. Right? Man's authority in the sense that we have laws and regulations when we go out of this building. Right? Chapter 13 of Romans. Submit yourself to the governing authorities. First Peter chapter 2 verse 13. Same thing. Submit yourselves to governing authorities. So when you submit in humility and in faith and you humble yourself and admit your fault and apologize, okay? God's authority continues to rest on you. You're still His baby. You're still His child. But just like, you know, let's say my child, uh, I don't have any children. But let's say my son was breaking 10 windows a day. He did it for a year. And he comes to me every day, Mom, Daddy, will you take me to the circus this weekend? you got to be out of your mind. You've been breaking 10 windows a day. But if that boy, after a year and one week, comes to me and he gets on his knees and he says, Daddy, I am so sorry. Forgive me for breaking all those windows. I'll never do it again. And he starts to cry. And I see that he's really genuine. You tell me what earthly father, no matter what they've done, is not going to be moved to forgive that child. And that, then that... Being a sinner, Jesus says, if you being sinners know how to give good gifts to your children, which involves forgiveness too. Okay? Some of them harden. I'm sorry, there's some hard, fathers too that harden themselves. But most, I believe, will be 
just impressed by the Holy Spirit, like I'm, I'm ministering and teaching to you, to, to forgive because it's a spiritual thing, you understand? It's a spiritual, it's a powerful thing. It's a dynamical thing. It's a thing that brings results. You don't know how it works. It's up to God. But it works. If you be an evil, the Word of God says, in chapter 7 of Matthew, if you being a sinner know how to give good gifts to your children, how much, how much will God give good gifts to those who ask Him? We limit God. We put Him on the same level as the, our human, our humanity, and we, we err and we sin when we do that. Because He's there for you and He's there for me. We limit Him. Even if your enemy never repents, coming back to the study, even if your enemy never repents, forgiving him or her will free you. How? And you might ask, in what way? Hear me out. You see, when you forgive, okay, when you, when you forgive, you have willfully chosen, okay, not to operate in your carnal and temporary and fallen nature. You have turned on Christ's love of, Christ's law of love, of power and sure results. Guaranteed. Okay? What kind of results? Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay? What kind of results is this? Jesus hands you a map, okay? He says, George, Michael, Christian, anybody. He says, Michael, I place a map before you. Every time you don't forgive, every time you don't forgive, I give you this map. And every time you don't forgive, you take the wrong turn and you make the wrong exit. What happens when you do that? You get lost. Isn't it funny, but, you know, some of you, maybe not all of you, but some of you, I, I know I've did it a couple times, and boy, I've turned into places like, sometimes there's bottles being thrown, there's like little wars going on, or whatever, or what happens, and, and you know, they're just bad neighborhoods, and you're like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Let me get out of here, right? And that's because you made a wrong turn. But that's what happens when you don't forgive. You take the wrong turn and it has horrible consequences. Terrible consequences. Because you don't want to be in a wrong place, do you? You don't want to feel lost. That's the, the worst place. to Listen, I'm a bow hunter. My wife hates hunting because she loves Bambi. She loves Bambi. Yeah, she, my wife is a real animal lover. I don't hunt anymore because I married her and I just... Uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't have the time. You know, the ministry is just very, very taxing and I love it. Praise the Lord. But listen, um, I love, I love to hunt and, uh, um, there are times that, uh, I just, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Excuse me. I just lost my train of thought. Um, let's just, let's just move on. I don't want to say, I don't want to, I don't want to go in that direction. Okay. Okay, but well, let's go back to what I was saying. But when you and I refuse to forgive, okay? When you and I will, f- w- ref- when you and I refuse to forgive, we will feel, we, you, you and I are going to feel in a state of stuckness. You're going to feel an oppressive dark cloud over your life. Okay? You won't be able to pray. You'll come to church and it'll be the most boring thing in your life. 
It's just the way it is. There's going to be an oppressive class. You're going to be here trying to sing, and the Holy Spirit's going to be wooing you. He'll be wooing you. He'll be wooing you. He'll be wooing you. Okay? You won't be able to pray. You won't be able to... Just, you'll, you won't enjoy... You won't be able to read and enjoy your Bible. You're not going to pray. The, the prayers are going to go up, and they're going to come right down. Okay? And you'll feel it. You'll feel it. When you've forgiven somebody, it's like this thing just comes off of you. Okay? You'll find church the most boring place, as I said. And we won't enjoy deep fellowship because they're of the unforgiveness. Now, this gets a little deeper, okay? Because our hearts are clogged with unforgiveness. Let's remember, okay? Let's remember before I go into the next portion, okay? If your card, if you are just, if you don't want to forgive, you're saying, I just refuse. You're holding on to the poison of saying, I just refuse to forgive that person. Because I feel that the hurt is of greater value than accepting God's forgiveness. You see, that's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of Satan. Okay, and listen, God's word says you don't have to go there. Some of you know by heart. Chapter 6, 14, 15, right there, right there and there, the Lord says it. He says, my heavenly father won't forgive you your sins unless you forgive others their sins. Okay, how many of you have read through the parable of the unmerciful servant? Raise your hands. As a gist, God forgives this man, the king. Jesus is the king, okay? And this man is you and I. He forgives him all his debt. He begged him. Unbelievable amount, millions of dollars. God says, you know what? I forgive you. He goes and he finds people that owed him very little and he starts pressing them to give him their money. Hey, pay me what you owe me. Oh, please just give me some time. Somebody heard him. They've heard that he had been forgiven by the king. He's brought by the king. And what happens? You wicked servant. I forgave you all that you asked me to. And you cannot forgive somebody. Listen here. It's going to get a little, little, little thick here. What did he say? Unless you what? Forgive from what? From your heart. That's what Jesus is saying in 6, 14 and 15. Unless you forgive People, my heavenly father won't forgive you. He's saying, unless you forgive them from your what? From your heart. God can't forgive you. And what did he do? He threw them to the what? The jailers. Who are the jailers? We need to talk about that. Okay? Because to be tortured, to to be given to the jails to be tortured, that torture is none other than the inner bondage and stronghold of the devil. What does that inner torture and bondage look like? Hear this. It could be a psychological and mental torture. What is that? You play back the tapes over and over and over. He did this. He said that. They did it to us. Well, God, it's terrible. It's a, just, it's a torture. It's a bondage. It's a slavery. You're in chains. Plays it back over and over. It keeps me remembering the pain, the hurt, the occurrences. It's punishing. It's a punishment. You just won't let it go. So it involves psychological and mental torture. It also is an emotional torture. Okay? You're just stuck and chained in those hurt feelings. And you know what? You're just in a little pity party in your 
life. Oh, poor me. They did this to me. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, poor me. And God says, you have freedom. I have given you and brought you into freedom. It could also be a social avoidance torture. You choose not to make friends for fear of being hurt. So you stay clearly away from people. Why? Because you have not been able to forgive. Does this make sense to you? It could be a spiritual torture. I just said it. What is it? Can't pray. Can't read your Bible. Come to church. You can make believe, but God sees you. It's boring. No deep fellowship. People are always wondering why cannot they cannot get a hold of you. Sometimes, of course, there's legitimate reasons we have to go and so on. But you know what I'm talking about. Is there unforgiveness in your heart? God wants to set you free. What I'm saying in all this is this. When we choose to live in a state of constant forgiveness, we're going to experience Christ's love. We're going to experience His joy. We're going to experience His peace. There's going to be victory. There's going to be passion for relationship. That's what your salvation is all about. Passion for the relationship that Adam lost in the garden. He lost that passion for relationship because he chose to act independent of God. God restores that passion for relationship. Are you holding unforgiveness against anybody tonight? Don't leave because the anointing of the Lord, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ is here and He's going to set you free, guaranteed. Amen. Guaranteed, or don't ever come to this church again. That's the power of God. That's the assurance that we have in Him. When we choose to live in a state of unforgiveness, I already said, we're going to experience no peace, no joy, and you already know, no favor, okay? We're going to have no favor in our lives. Doors are going to be closed. I remember um, when I worked, uh, when I uh, served in, uh, in uh, Central Presbyterian Church, where I met Pastor, uh, Pastor Christian. I used to uh, make myself available to the Lord till this day. I'll have my time with the Lord in the morning by His grace and mercy. He'll draw me into His presence. And when I'm finished, I take my, my, my tracks I love to evangelize. This is just my call. I just love to talk to people. Okay? Um, I'm going to share with you my uh, testimony on another occasion. But uh, one, one particular day, I was late. I was a little late. And this pain came over my knee. Came over my knee. And I, it was this most excruciating pain. I said, what in the world is this? And it was really terrible. Well, anyway, I mustered my, my, my strength up. And, and I'm, I'm heading, right? I'm heading in, into the city. I, I'm in the seventh train. And all of a sudden, um, I see, I'm walking, you know, I'm trying, and I see this young man coming towards me, and he's about 22 years old with a jacket, and he looks very tired, not just, not tired because he's worked, he's just tired of life. And he's got some saliva coming out of his mouth over here, very depressed, walking, and the Holy Spirit says, you give him a track. And I said, Lord, I'm late! Lord, I'm late! And he says, you give him a track. So I get a track and he looks at me and when he saw me put my hand in my pocket, he thought I was going to give him money. So, you know, he's like, you know, trying to muster up a smile. And, uh, and when I gave him the track, I put it in his hand and I said to him, do you know him? 
And when he saw the cross, he immediately knew that I was talking to him about Jesus. So he says, you know, really honest. He says, listen, I, he says, I never made a commitment to God. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready. He was honest. You know, so what happened next is, uh, is also, I just love the way the Holy Spirit uses you and I. Isn't it awesome when the anointing comes just to, you know, it's not to, for you to feel powerful and woo, do, 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 you know, or it's like, wow, Lord, you're on me. You know, it's like, I want to use you. I want to use you as a vessel. Your body belongs to me because I bought you with a price. First Corinthians chapter six. And you're just making yourself available as an instrument that he can use that he can use in the master's hands. All of a sudden, when he says, no, I'm not ready for that, the anointing of the Lord comes upon me. And the Lord just, just gives me three, three uh, um, quick insights, word of knowledge concerning this man, where he is, and the danger that he's in. And all of a sudden, I look into this man's eye, and I said, listen, I don't want you to think I'm a wacko. I don't want you to think I'm some weird person. But this is what God has given me for you. Everywhere you go, you get no favor. You are, you are, you, you just, you just find no peace anywhere. Uh, uh, what, what is the other thing that he said? Um, you have no peace. And two weeks ago, you felt like committing suicide. And he's, his eyes are going like this. They're glowing. And then the last word that the Lord, and blessed be the name of Jesus, he says, I said to him, and the Lord, the Lord is putting in my heart that somebody has cursed you in your country. You're not from this country. And he said, yes, absolutely. And then I asked him once again, do you want to accept them? He goes, well, that's what the gifts are, right? They're power tools. But they're dangerous if you don't know how to use them, right? You know, like when you try to cut, you never used a, a power saw, right? And you try to cut and you're like, you better not use that if you don't know how to do that. You could cut your finger off. Spiritual gifts are like that too. You gotta be. You gotta go. You gotta be underneath the pastor. You gotta have training. You gotta be committed. You gotta walk with the Lord. So anyway, the Lord and His mercy to reach the soul allowed me to operate in the gifts. And uh, in 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 the subway, there was another gentleman by the name of Wilby Artwell, who I know him. He's an evangelist too, and he has a little a little uh, a set there. And a mic, and he's preaching away. He's, his back is toward us. He's preaching, right? Really fiery guy. And he's, his back is facing us. And I'm like, I said, I said, Samuel. I said, that's the boy's name. I said, why don't we go and we'll go and pray with Brother Artwell. So I take him by the hand. And, and Brother Artwell, he's just preaching. And the Lord is here. And he wants to save you. And hallelujah. And then I just touch his back and I say, Brother Artwell, there's somebody here that wants to receive the Lord. And when I said that, he goes... What? He goes, hey, son, he goes, are you serious? <laughs> I never forgot that. And Sammy goes, oh, what do you say? What do you say? Because he's, you know, he's Spanish, you know. So I'm trying not to crack up. I mean, God, I'm trying not to crack up. And I said, well, Sammy, what, what he's trying to say is that, you know, you were at the opposite stream right now, you know, in your life. And now the Lord is asking you to go to the other side and receive his son. And uh, so we're going to pray for you right now. And I just felt the anointing just envelop us. And I said, the Holy Spirit said, Oh, my God. He said, uh, the Holy Spirit says, Michael, he's going to manifest 
That's the first time. You know, I'm, you know, you grow into the gifts. You just don't like, oh Lord, I got the word of knowledge. I got prophecy. Hey, I got healing. <laughs> it don't work. It don't work like that, okay? It's a process. You grow little by little. You know, you make mistakes and it's okay, you know? And uh, so anyway, so the Holy Spirit, I'm listening to the Lord. You know, listen, when you get involved in God's economy, when you get psyched up, he'll give you that psychness to really serve him, okay? Uh, he'll make sure that he shows up and that, that, that he's as accurate as you can grasp him in your limited fallen nature, okay? Through the Spirit. So going back to Brother Artwell, um, he said, Michael, he's going to manifest. So Brother Artwell starts praying, you know, he starts praying. And, and this guy is just moving. He, look, he looks like a fish out of water. He's just moving very violently. People are passing by. He's putting on a show for people. He's putting on a show. People are like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> I was like, Lord, what's going on? You know, I'm like, and, and then the Holy Spirit says, Michael, now tell him to stop and you lead him in a prayer of repentance so I can cut the legality. Okay, it's all about legality. You want to be set free from anything that's a bondage? It's all about legality. There was a door that was open at one point in your life and my life. And the demons, the enemy just had just so much legality to keep you oppressed in different things. And once you confess them, that legality is cut, but you must take authority and command the enemy to leave. And he will. So when Brother Artwell prayed for him and he manifested, so I led him in a prayer of salvation. And he started to shake more. And once he confessed the sins of his forefathers, okay, the Lord Jesus says, now cut and break the curse. Once He says, and he's going down, Michael. He's going down. Catch him because he's going down. And I said, okay, Lord, hallelujah. And I broke the curse. He went right down. People are watching this. In the subway of New York City. I can imagine there is, you know, the people are like, what is, what is, what is you, some kind of a nut? Or like people are like, oh my God, we've got to call the ambulance, you know? Or somebody got hurt, you know? But it's, it's the Lord. It's Him doing His work. So I tell you, I wish I could carry a camcorder from now on. I tell you, you ever seen that before and after pictures when somebody is in bondage and is delivered? He was in, he was on the floor for about three minutes, okay? And then he opened his eyes and he said, help me up. And you should have seen Samuel. The oppression that lifted off his hand. He says, oh my God, I feel like a thousand pounds has come off my shoulder. Because that's exactly what happens when you receive deliverance. God takes that off and he does it with so much love. Because he is the author of love. Isn't that wonderful? Can you give Jesus a clap offering? If you and I expect to be forgiven, you must practice forgiveness. And forgiveness is not a feeling. You just won't feel like forgiving people. Okay, forgiveness is not a feeling. You know what it is? It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a deliberate action of the will. We choose to forgive. We just say we choose to forgive. Can you say that? I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. It's that simple.
Tonight, if you are stuck, struggling or just need a greater touch of God to let go and truly forgive, today is your day. Right here, God is going to set you free. I'll repeat it. Listen, I'll take the chance because I know my God. Listen, guaranteed, well, don't ever come back to this church or any church. Then God, then Jesus is a liar and he's a lunatic, but he's not a liar and a lunatic. He's Lord. He's your Lord. And I know that you know that because he's able to break all bondages from your life and my life. You might be saying right now, Pastor Michael, how will I really know if I have truly, really, and honestly forgiven as Christ has forgiven me? The emperor is just, the answer is very simple. Simply by faith, make the choice to freely forgive no matter what they have done to you. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. That simple. That's it. You know what Jesus promises when you do that? And I'm stuck here. You know what Jesus uh, promises when you do that? He promises that when you do that, He will make sure that the feelings catch up to your original decision. They will. Sometimes you just say, Oh, how can I forgive? And I don't feel it. Well, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. But when you make the choice, Jesus will make sure that your feelings, okay, that that choice that you made, okay, it'll catch up. Okay? The feelings, the choice that you made to forgive, okay, the feelings would eventually catch up, but the choice has to be made first. Today, don't leave this place until you get prayer if you have unforgiveness in your heart. It's, listen, the Lord revealed to me, I was praying, I said, Michael, there is blessings I'm withholding, there is anointings I'm withholding, there is prosperity, there's so many things that I'm withholding from people because they don't want to let go. So I believe that every time you go and hear a message, it's the Lord bringing up that message to unclog whatever area of your heart needs to be unclogged so that His blessings could be released into your life. Give a clap offering to the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, if there's any, I discern there's, you know, anyone wrestling with a spirit of fear, okay, night, nightmares, you know, we're here, we're going to be here praying. We're not leaving until we pray for you, okay? Also, uh, if you can't forgive yourself, you know that some of us struggle with not being able to forgive things that we have done, okay? That's bondage. God wants to set you free. I'm going to ask pastor to come up and... The Lord Jesus be glorified. Let's give the Lord Jesus another clap for offering. Thank you, Lord.